Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Um, all right, I'm going to read to you from Psalm chapter 65. It says this, You take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. The river of God has plenty of water. It provides a bountiful harvest of grain, for you have ordered it so. You drench the ploughed earth ground with rain, melting the clods and levelling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and the hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. Now, when I think of harvest, because I grew up on a farm, for me, strangely, I think of wool bales. Uh, We were not a cropping farm. We were a sheep farm. For all you vegans, you're welcome. We were a sheep shearing farm. We had uh, merino wool on our sheep. When they got old, something happened to them. I'm not sure what. Um, But uh, we would shear shear sheep. I don't know who I'm kidding. I've never shorn a sheep in my life. Um, I did hold the lambs while Dad castrated them, if that counts for anything. Um, yeah, points right there. Um, but, um, but one of my favourite times of the year was sheep shearing time because what would happen was I would get home after school and uh, the bus would stop. I'd race down the driveway with my um, sister Jill and my brother Rick and we'd get some afternoon tea, whatever it looked like. But eventually all of us, but definitely me, I'd get afternoon tea, I'd grab a book, I'd go to the shearing shed and the Tetris stacked wool bales would be there. Usually the shearers had gone home by then. Dad was maybe doing some rouseabouting or um, a bit of wool classing or whatever, but maybe not there at all. And I'd lie in the sun and I'd read my book with the smell of lanolin as the bales were all stacked on top of each other. It was so great. Actually, I've got some photos of our shearing shed. Um, So that is my farm. Oh, I love my farm. It's not mine, by the way, anymore, or even my parents, but uh, I still love it. And um, mum wanted me to let you know that we had a new shed across the creek. Is that okay, mum? It's good. Okay. That is Bella, my daughter, a number of years ago, and Katie. If Katie had to get from A to B, she used to just bounce. That's how she got everywhere. That's her going up the steps and little Kate down the race of of where you would shear the sheep and then push them down and um, into the sheep poo. So that was cool. I loved it. I loved it so much. I don't know how you, what images are conjured up for you when you think of harvest. Maybe you've never thought of harvest. There's a bunch of townies in the room. There's some coast kids. There's some city folk. They're like, oh, that's how you say that word, harvest, harvest. Oh, okay. And so, you know, maybe not much idea. Maybe you've got no clue or only fed from movies or media. Maybe you have an image like what's going to come on the screen right now of feasting and frivolity and fun when it comes to harvest. Sorry, I just got got a bit stuck on the feasting part. I just distracted myself. Um, But if you ask any farmer, if you're a farmer here tonight or you know a farmer or you're the wife of a farmer, daughter of a farmer, whatever it might be, you know that harvest is hard work. And because we're not a cropping family, we weren't a cropping family by the time I came along, um, I asked my new friend Murray uh, about harvesting and he gave me a bit of a rundown. And I was really surprised because... He, like in our house at the table, Lockie has banned us from talking about PMS. And um, he's like, if you guys keep talking about menstruation, I'm going to start talking about circumcision. And I've had enough. It's enough. And we're like, mm, okay. And so we um, went to, we started 
um, not talking about it anymore. But Murray, in the foyer, was very happy to talk about a condition called PHS. He just, like, freely talked about it. Pre-harvest stress, he, t- he called it. And he said that pretty much what happens is that from the moment you start, you're just thinking, thinking, thinking all the time. You're checking boxes off mentally in your head. And then you have to make sure the machinery is ready because any breakdown could mean that the whole harvest is put out. You need to ensure that everything's good to go. You need to look at the conditions of the ground. If it's too dry and there's about to be a dump of rain, you can't sow the wheat because if the dump of rain comes, it will burst the grain. But if the ground has some moisture, it'll swell and be able to take the rain. But if it's too wet, then you can't do it because the machinery will get bogged. And so you've got to check all that out. You've got to plough the ground, but you can't overwork the ground. And then what you've got to do is you've got to um, fertilise the ground and get it all sorted. Then you sow the seed. But the night before sowing the seed, you're just stressing out. You've looked at the forecast. Everything looks okay. But you're just, is that rain? Is that a windstorm? What's coming right now? Can we still sow tomorrow? And then you sow the grain with the fertiliser. Then you spray, once it's in, you spray the ground for all the weeds so that when the shoots come up, there's no competition. Then when the shoots come up, you put some nitro on it for a burst of nutrition so it'll grow a bit faster. And then that's the good time because that's when it starts to grow. And that's when you get to check the progress every day and you just look and it's growing and it's nothing to do with you, but it's just growing. But at the same time, you're really stressed out because you're thinking, is there too much rain, too little rain, too much sun, too little sun, frost, fire? What's going on next? Are there pests coming? Is there a swarm of locusts? Is that a swarm of locusts? And so you never know what is happening next. And then what happens is um, all the way to the end, all the way to the harvest, once it's go time, it is go time. And then it is every waking hour. As long as you can keep your eyes open, you harvest. And that might be six to seven weeks. And uh, they had... um, their 12-year-old son, Murray and Mel's 12-year-old son, Tristan, he would be out there for 14 hours a day if they would let him and wants to stay home from school all the time in the chaser bin. And there he is. But they just, it's go, go, go. Um, by the way, if you want your daughter to marry a farmer, Mel's taking expressions of interest after the service. <laughs> Look at him. He's a cutie. And, um, but then you get it all in, you turn the stock out, and it all starts again. You create some fire breaks and away you go again for the next time. It is hard work and it's stressful. So tomorrow, when you enjoy your organic ancient grain spelt sourdough with your avocado and cold-pressed oil and you just chuck it in your gob, just know that a whole lot of work went into that, okay? A whole lot of work, a whole lot of stress. And in fact, Ecclesiastes mentions this kind of stress um, by someone who's referenced as the teacher. And it says, if a farmer waits for perfect conditions, they'll never plant. If they constantly watch every cloud, they never harvest because you'll never harvest if you never plant. And if you wait for conditions to be perfect, you'll never plant. And so there's a time where you have to plant even though conditions aren't necessarily perfect if you want to enjoy a harvest. But it's stressful. Now compare that with Jesus talking in Matthew 26, or 6, sorry, verse 26, where he says, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store foods in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? See, what they get, what both the birds and the farmer get, is that there's an element to what they do that they have no control over. And they just have to have faith. Who that faith is in for some farmers, we don't know, but they have to have faith that something is coming through. That scripture, we were talking about that in year five scripture the other day. 
uh, for my kids. Any of my year five scripture? No, they're not here. Um, <laughs> but um, we were talking about worry and today worries. And I was telling them how I've stopped praying for things that are ages away. And I just pray for today worries now. And using this scripture where it continues. And, um, and I said, so do you guys want to pray for anything? And Blair said, I've got cross country. I said, is that today, Blair? Is that today? And she said, no, it's three weeks. I said, we're not praying for that now. You can go home and train. You can worry about it in three weeks' time. Um, anyone else? Ethan, oh, I've got to play Fortnite tonight. Okay, we'll pray for that. Reese, oh, I'm playing my brother in hockey. Okay, we'll pray for that. Chloe, oh, I've got Dungeons and Dragons. We've got some arguments. Okay, we'll pray for that. Um, uh, Noah, he's like, oh, I've got to cross the busy road this afternoon. We'll pray for that, Noah. And I got there next week. I said, Reese, how'd you go? He said, one. Yes, one from one. How'd you go, Ethan? I played heaps of Fortnite. Yes, two from two. Chloe, excellent arguments in D&D. Yes, three from three. Now, Noah's not here. <laughs> How'd Eric and he went, guys? And they went, oh, no, no, he was here yesterday. We're four from four. We're like, yes, praise Jesus. That's awesome. <laughs> that's nothing to do with the message. <laughs> um, but the ancients understood that harvest and the favour of God were inextricable. Well, for them, it was inextricably... Everyone say that five times fast. No, don't. <laughs> um, for, unless you've got a mask on, then you can say it five times fast. Um, inextricably linked, they felt. And that's why sacrifices were such a huge thing. And you wanted to hope that you were offering the right sacrifice to the right God because they believed in different gods at the right time. And they trusted and hoped that they were doing something that would either please that God or appease Him if they got a bad harvest the year before. Is this enough, God? And the ancients would ponder and wonder and stress out and offer more sacrifice and more sacrifice and more sacrifice to try and please or appease their God, trying to get His favour. Well, the good news of Jesus Christ is that it just takes believing in Him to receive the favour of God. The good news of Jesus Christ is that before the foundation of the world, that He was actually, that God had already made a way and declared a way that when we would turn away from Him, He would make a way for us to be able to turn back to Him. He made a way for us that we would not suffer the dire consequences of that turning away of that sin, but that instead He would take that upon Himself and He would suffer in our place. And He said, you don't need to worry if you've pleased me, you just need to accept what I've done for you and then you're good to go. And even though that in the ancient world, they were worried about being provided for physically, you have now everything you need spiritually according to His riches in glory. You get peace with God. You get peace with God. You get peace with God. Everybody gets peace with God. How good is that? We don't have to wonder if we've got His favour. We walk in His favour. You get His favour. You get His favour. You get His favour. Everybody gets His favour. There's a lot of spinning. <laughs> I'm glad the right was back. Everybody gets His favour. Now, I know that for some of you, like... All right. Okay, Bron. Well, tell us where your private jet is. Side note, getting reupholstered. <laughs> now, there's a danger, isn't there, in that we begin to go, well, I'll just blab and grab. I'll just blurt and... I don't have a rhyming word for blurt. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> That's what we call it in the country. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just... I'll walk in the favour of God. Okay, okay. I've got to tell you how uncomfortable that kind of message is for me. I've got to tell you that I would much prefer to preach, let's all die for Jesus. That's my favourite message. Like I, my message is, my life's message is that yes, suffering is part of the gospel, but really it's the main part of the gospel. My, my, my main message is like, let's be like William Wallace. Freedom, are we getting to die right now? Oh my gosh, thank you. 
That's amazing. My preferred message tonight would be, let's take that hill and if we're lucky, we'll get to die on the way. That is my preferred message. And so to preach about the blessing of God is very uncomfortable for me and yet I feel completely compelled to preach it tonight. That actually I'm only telling the half the story. Pastor Mike and I were talking about declarations and uh, he had a declaration for Father's Day, spoiler alert, that said, um, I walk in the favour of God and man. And I said, well, I'm okay with that as long as you put, and I'll willingly participate in his sufferings. And he's like, no one's confessing that, Bron. Well, we need to. Okay. Um, But what happened was that I finished my Bible this year um, just took out the bits that I didn't really like anymore. And, um, but it, I read an Old Testament book, some Psalms, a proverb, a prophet, and a New Testament book, like every Monday. <laughs> um, that, that's the order that I do, and then I go back to the start. And, and so I got to the end of this one, so I had to start a new one. Oh, don't you love a new Bible? I know it clashes tonight, but I actually have a dress and a jacket that matches in those Sundays. Oh, come on. <laughs> and I, I, I got, went back to Genesis and I began to think about that there's maybe three, maybe more, but maybe three ways to live. And one is that, yeah, there's blessing of God, but that's not for me because I don't ever feel like I've truly walked in His blessing. So I see that person walking in the blessing of God, but I don't feel like that's for me. Or maybe it's, well, I've got salvation. What more could I possibly want? Like that's blessing enough, Right. And Or it might be, I believe in the blessing of God, but I feel perennially frustrated because I don't feel like I'm walking in it. And I want to tell you tonight that God wants us all to lift our faith to trust in the blessing of God. I didn't know that they were singing those songs tonight when I was preparing the message and they didn't know what I was preaching on. And so I think that God has something to say to us. So I started way back in Genesis because that's where you start, everybody. When you read the Bible, not really if you're a new Christian. (laughs) Talk to your pastor. Okay. Um, But Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it starts even there where the Spirit of God is hovering above the chaotic waters with this creative, life-giving and energetic potential like, just let me at it. Let me do something. I want to do something here. I want to create something. I want to see life burst forth. And then in verse 9, it says, Then God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together in one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed bearing plant and trees that grow seed bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kind of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed bearing plants and trees with seed bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind and God saw that it was good. So here he is just creating life. And, and as you read it, I, I, you know, as so often happens with the Bible, I wasn't reading it, it was reading me and it was challenging my construct of who God is. And here's God creating life and harvest right there at the start, creating seeds so that there would be harvest. 
And in verse 27, it says, God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. So this creative, energetic, life-giving God says to His creation, His vegetation, produce, produce and bring life. And then He turns to His image bearers, you and I, and says, produce, produce, bring life. And then by chapter 17 of Genesis, he's talking to Abram and he reveals himself with a new name, El Shaddai. You know what Shad means, ladies, in Hebrew? Breasts. El Shaddai, the life giver, the one who nurtures and nourishes and brings forth life. El Shaddai, God of the harvest. He is God of the harvest. He is God of the blessing. He is God of fruitfulness. But what about when he's not? Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17 says, When the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, when the olive trees do not produce and the fields yield no crops, when the sheep disappear from the pen and there are no cattle in the stalls. All right, ma'am. For me, now we're talking. Just be grateful that you ever had sheep in the stalls. (laughs) Endurance is its own kind of fruit. If you starve to death, there's another life beyond this one. And be grateful for that. That's my kind of preaching. Thank you, Habakkuk. You know, yet I know that God wants me to be content and grateful for His salvation, but He wants me to be hungry. He wants me to be believing in Him for greater things. He wants me to rise in faith because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Yes, faith in Jesus Christ, and that is awesome. And that is the best faith that you can ever have. But He also wants us to believe that He is good. He wants us to believe that He is the Father of lights from whom comes every good thing and who does not change like shifting shadows. He is a good and wonderful God. So what do we do when there's no buds and no grapes. Well, a person who explained this by their life to me more than anyone else is a brother from a very different mother called Pastor Mike. And if you know Pastor Mike, then if you say to Pastor Mike, how are you? You know, he will say, strong and blessed. And you know, I'm like, cool. Um, and, but you know what he is? He really is. Like he's married to Miss Universe. I just, like, I know every pastor says that and every youth pastor is like, oh, my wife's so hot. And we're like, okay, which decade is this? Objectification much? But, but my sir, she is Miss Universe. I've thought about like getting you here to, so we could bask in your beauty, but I thought that might put you off. She is Stunning. He has three beautiful children. He's got a YouTube channel and a podcast. He's got a Hyundai Palisade. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and uh, he is blessed. But I first met Pastor Mike nine years ago <laughs> when he hadn't seen his beautiful wife and children for three years. Um, he had been living here and they'd been living in Rwanda waiting for visas. And FaceTime can only go so far. And his beautiful little Iris, I think, was one and now she was four and he'd missed those years of her life. And he said he wouldn't buy a piece of clothing without FaceTiming Christelle. He just wanted every decision to be made together. And every time I would talk to him and I got to witness the miracle that was their reunification, every time I asked him during that time, how are you, Pastor Mike? Strong and blessed. Strong and blessed. I'd be like, rubbish. This stinks. This is awful. This is heartbreaking. 
And yet Pastor Mike wasn't being inauthentic, not at all. He was recognising where blessing comes from. He was saying, though there's no bud on the vine, there's no grapes going, there's no olive trees, there's no family in my home, yet... I'm strong because my strength doesn't come from my circumstance. It comes from the Lord. I'm blessed because my blessing depends on a good God who loves me and He will come through for us eventually. So I memorised a psalm in a haiku form. No, I didn't. Um, I, I memorised a psalm because I recognised one day I was in devotions and I was actually doing it with my nephew, which I, that's like I did not want to be vulnerable in front of him. Um, because he needs to look up to me. <laughs> but I was there and, and we read this chapter and, and we we're talking about fear of rejection and I'd formulated the questions, but I'd done it really quickly before devotion, so I hadn't actually thought about my answers myself. And I was like, has, like around the circle, has, have you guys ever experienced the fear of rejection? And they gave their answers and then they said, what about you? And without thinking about it, I went every day. And I had no idea. And I recognised that I had this fear All the time, I was just waiting for people to reject me and I was waiting to fail and I was waiting to miss the will of God. There was this underlying fear in my life that I had no idea was there. I was just wondering when something would happen, when I'd be rejected, whatever it might be. And so we're in overflow, um, which is a worship night that we have here at church. And one of our prophetic team did an activation where we exchanged across the table in our imaginations from God. We gave him something in order to receive something. And I gave him my fear and I got his faith. And and so I started to memorise a psalm. And in this psalm, I found four keys in order to live in the tension of the contentment and the gratitude. And I've got clothes and a roof over my head and food on my table. So I'm grateful and that's all I need. Thank you, God. And God, I'm believing you for blessing, for poured out favour on my life to manage that tension. Four keys. And number one is acknowledge. Acknowledge. This is so important for my thinker brain because someone asked Pastor Mike how he is and he says strong and blessed. Someone asks me, how are you going, Bron? And I say, well, when I woke up this morning, I was really, really down and I don't know why. Um, And then I got in the car and I went to go and have my quiet time. But for some reason, I just sat in the car and scrolled the news and I just kept getting more and more down. I don't know if I was looking for confirmation of the depravity of humanity or if I was looking for something to give me hope. And and I just sat in the car and I couldn't get out. But eventually I did and, and I went and spent time with the Lord and then everything turned around and they're just like, well, that was an emotional roller coaster." <laughs> and secondly, how are you as a greeting in Australia? We don't really want to know. <laughs> but for me, I need to acknowledge. I need to acknowledge the reality of what's going on. I need to, I need to like not go, not shove it down and ignore it because that's going to give it power. No, no, no. My God is more powerful than that. I need to pull it up, stand back from it and look at it and go, this is the reality right now of my situation. Okay. I acknowledge it. I acknowledge it. But we can't stay there. We can't stay there. There's no buds on the fig tree. There's no grapes on the vine. There's no crops in the field. Paddocks, Habakkuk. The sheep aren't in the pens and there's no cattle in the stores. That is the truth. That is the case right there. So I wonder if you were to pull it up and look at it, what would you say? Things aren't going as I hoped they would. I'm lonely. I don't feel well. I'm scared. Acknowledge it. 
put it there. That's the reality. Acknowledge it. But don't stay there. Number two, start to believe. Pull your belief up and say, who is my God in this situation? Who can God be for me in this situation? This is the case. This is what's happening right now. But who is God wanting to be in the midst of this circumstance, in the midst of this situation? Begin to believe. And then on beginning to believe, start to confess, start to tell a different story than the one that you're telling right now. Start to speak out of your mouth what the truth is. I am strong and blessed. Yes, I have all that I need according to His riches in glory. And number four, don't give up. Don't give up. A, B, C, D. Acknowledge, believe, confess and don't give up. Just... By the by, these are the four keys to salvation as well. Acknowledge that I've turned away from God and I've gone my own way. Believe that Jesus paid the penalty for that and wants to pull me back to a relationship with God. Confess that He is my Lord and then don't give up. Don't give up. That's all that is left for us to do. In Jude, the book of Jude, he says, (laughs) Jude's at the back of the Bible, everybody. Okay, so if you're looking for it. That's where you'll find it. Boom. It says, verse 24, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Hang on a second. To him who is able. Not to Loz who is able. Not to Jill who is able. No, no, no. Not to Amanda who is able. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. That's his work that he's doing right now. Working on presenting you without fault and with great joy. And all that is incumbent upon you is to not give up. Just don't give up. Just don't give up. Habakkuk 3.17 is what we were reading. And actually at the end it says to a stringed instrument. So because I'm very committed to being biblical, here is Amy with a stringed instrument. Amy, if you would play while I speak the Word of God. When the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, when the olive trees do not produce and the fields yield no crops, when the sheep disappear from the pen and there are no cattle in the stalls, I will rejoice because of the Lord. I will be happy because of the God who delivers me. The sovereign Lord is my source of strength. He enables, He gives me the agility of a deer. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. Well done, Amy Tange. Thank you. Acknowledge there's no fig trees budding. There's no vineyards graping. (laughs) There's no olive trees producing. That's the truth. But I'm going to believe and confess something different, that I will rejoice because of the Lord. I will be happy because of the God who delivers me. The sovereign Lord is my source of strength. And I'm not going to give up because He gives me the agility of a deer and He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. There's rugged terrain. Clearly not everything's going to be smooth sailing from here on in, but I'm going to be able to negotiate it and I'm not going to give up because He's giving me the agility of a deer. Psalm 27 is what I began to recite to myself in, uh, in acknowledging in that moment that I had fear. That was acknowledging. And then in the overflow where I exchanged it, that was the believing that God could give me something different. But I didn't know what to confess. 
and I didn't know how to not give up. And so I just began to learn the Word of God. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, even, the, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is that I may dwell in the house of God for all my days, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. For He will conceal me there when troubles come. He will place me out of reach on a high rock and I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. There I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. And as I began to recite this, my fear began to flee and my faith began to rise. Oh Lord, my heart has heard you say, come away and talk with me. And my heart has responded, Lord, I am coming. Please do not abandon me now, but even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. And then he heads back into it again in Psalm 27. He says this, he says that my enemies surround me. Deliver me, Lord. With every breath, they threaten violence. He's back in the A. But then he goes again and he says, yet I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord here in the land of the living. Wait patiently, he says. I'm not gonna give up. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous and wait patiently for the Lord. I'm gonna ask the team to come back up. I'm gonna go to Galatians chapter six. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't go weary. Keep believing in due season, you're going to see it. Don't give up. Don't you ever give up. I was at a conference just a couple of weeks ago. This is my last story and then we'll finish. And I was there and I was in worship. And the worship leader, I'd, I'd still been having my quiet time every morning because that's my most favourite part of the day. And the worship leader said something along the lines of, you're going to receive a fresh word from the Lord. And I just began to say, Lord, thank You for the word that You gave me this morning. Thank You, Lord. Every day You give me a fresh word from Your word. And I'm just grateful for that, Lord. And I'm grateful for all the words that I've been given across my time. And I heard the Lord speak to my heart. Why do you keep doing that, Bron? Why when there's a possibility of something coming, do you just get content with what you've already got? Why are you okay just saying thank you? Why aren't you believing for a fresh wind, a fresh fire, something else to come and sort you out, a fresh word from God? And I was just going, whoa. Lord, I honestly thought that being grateful was something that you desired. I thought godliness with contentment was great gain, but clearly... I sat down and I began to write in my journal. I wrote this in the middle of worship. Lord, whenever it's time that words are given, I make myself content with the words I already have. And indeed I am. I'm so incredibly grateful. But Lord, where is my hunger? Why wouldn't I cry out for a fresh word? Why wouldn't I long for holy fire, long desperately for the touch of heaven? Why wouldn't I desire glimpses of heaven? Stir me, Lord, with an insatiable hunger and thirst for righteousness for the kingdom in me. Now I stood back up, I couldn't sing. And the hand, I don't even know how to explain it. If you've brought a friend tonight, I hope you're okay with this. 
the hand of God was so heavy on me. I couldn't sing. And I just felt, I just bawled. And I just kept saying, fire, 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 God, fire, fire. And then we came into the next session and I knew that as soon as the altar call was given, I had to be the first one down the front. I knew that actually every altar call that comes ever again, I needed to be the first one down the front. I wanted to be in a place where I had a hunger and thirst for righteousness and that God could fill me. Yes, He's already filled me. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. But He fills and fills and fills and fills. And I knew I had to go down the front. Problem was, big conference. The guy didn't give an altar call. And so I just (laughs) went down the front and the security guard went, excuse me. And I said, can I just go right there? And he said, okay. (laughs) So... I got down on my knees and the hand of God was on me again and I just lifted my hands and I just sobbed and I got up changed. And now I don't want to settle. I don't want to settle anymore. I'm happy, I'm content, I am blessed, I'm favoured, but I don't want to settle. I want to believe for more. And I believe tonight that some of you They've got an okay just settling. And you're like, okay, God, well, maybe this is all there is for me. Maybe I'm just waiting right now. And God would stir you with a fresh hunger for Him. And so I wonder if tonight we can come to our feet. You can go ahead and close your eyes if you like to block out distractions. Firstly, I just want to ask tonight, have you come to that place where you've acknowledged that you're far from God? Can you tonight believe that Jesus has been coming after you with His love, that He showed you in real time and space what that looked like when He died on the cross for you? Can you confess that He is the Lord of your life and decide that you are not going to give up? If that's you tonight and you wanna come home, you wanna come into the presence of God, you wanna come into a peace relationship with God where you say, Jesus, I'm following you now, not following my own way. If that's you tonight, can you raise your hand because I'd love to pray for you. Awesome, great decisions up the back there. Fantastic, great decision over here. Anyone else? Oh, there's hands everywhere, great decisions. Great. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.